The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Oh man, I'm so excited. Happy 2019. I know that sounds kind of weird to say, doesn't it? 2019, here we are, January, rocking and rolling, full steam ahead. Here at LifePoint, we know that you have so many options to uh, do church here in this area, and so we're so thankful that you're here with us uh, this morning at LifePoint. My name's Eric. Uh, I'm the teaching pastor here at the church, and uh, today we're just going to kind of do a standalone. Next week, we're going to be back in the book of Hebrews, Uh, but today I want to talk to you about stop going to church, and I know that sounds weird coming from a pastor, but I believe that today could truly be a turning point in your life. I truly believe that 2019 can be a a real year of growth for you. I believe that if you uh, apply what you hear today and and start strategizing your life in such a way, maybe a year from now or years from now, you'll be able to look back and say, man, that was the day that God really did something special in my life. How many of you are here this morning and would say, you know what, I, I need God to do something special in my life today? All right, four of you, five, okay, a few of you. How many of you say, listen, I may not need I want God to do something special in my life today. Listen, if we don't come in hungry, if we don't come in eager, if we don't come in looking and wanting and desiring God to move, then listen, all you'll do is hear me get really excited, and then you'll walk out and eat some guacamole and nothing will change. That's really it. But really, on a, on a daily, on a weekly basis, we should be a people that really say, God, would you do something special in my life? Would you, would you just, just take a moment and let me, let me sit and let me, let me experience your glory? Let me experience your goodness. Let me experience your grace. Let me experience your power in such a way that it actually starts to transform my life. I hope that every time you come in here, That we don't come in apathetic, we don't come in complacent, but we really do come in hungry, looking for God to do something special in my life. And I believe that today could be the day for you that God really starts something special in your life. Let me share with you a story. A couple of, of, of friends... A couple who's married bring their friends into, uh, into a coffee shop, all right? I know this is church, so you were expecting me to say walk into a bar, but really, uh, this couple walks into a coffee shop. They've got some friends with them. They look over at the coffee shop, and they see uh, their pastor sitting there reading and enjoying a, a cup of coffee. They really get excited, and they come over to the pastor and say, hey, pastor, 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 I, I want to introduce you to, to some of our friends who are here with us. Hey, listen, friends, we, 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 go, we go to his church. We, we go to church with him. We, we, we love the church. And then when they start talking about all the things that the church is doing that they're really excited about, and, and they introduce their friends to the pastor. And, and one thing I noticed that, that as, as, as they were talking, they, they kept saying, hey, we, we, we love going to church. We go to his church. We go to that church. We've been going to that church for a long time. We go to that church longer than we've ever gone to any other church. We go to church. Everyone say, go to church. church. They kept saying they go to church. It's kind of like saying, I go to the movies. Anyone who loves going to the movies? I love going to the movies, right? I have uh, I have uh, this thing that we do uh, usually on, on Tuesday nights because it's five dollar movie day. Uh, but on Tuesday Tuesdays we're like, hey, is there a movie that we want to go see? So we we as a family we love going to the movies. 
We go to the movies maybe once, maybe uh, twice a, a month, and, and we go see a movie. But, but when you say, like, I go to church, it's like, I go to the movies. I go to the game. I go to the show. I, I actually go to that coffee shop right down the road. I go to church. They kept saying, I go to church. We love going to church. We go to his church. We go to that church. And so the pastor and the couple and their friends, they talk for a bit. They go over, they get their coffee, they grab a table, right? And then after several minutes, the husband gets up right before they're about to leave and goes back over and sits down with the pastor again at the table. And this time he has kind of a, a serious look on his face. And he says, he says, Pastor, will you pray for me? Pastor gets really excited. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll pray for you. What's, what's going on? I mean, most people, most people wouldn't be even willing to admit that they need prayer. You, you want me to pray for you? Yeah, I, I, I would love to pray for you. And, and typically, when someone asks for prayer, usually it's for someone that's sick or something like that, where you pray for so-and-so, they're sick, they're not doing well. That's kind of out of my control, so I need help from God on that. But that's not what this guy, this guy actually sits down, and he actually talks to, starts to give a laundry list of things. He says, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. He says, Pastor, I need you to pray for my marriage. You see, even though we look all put together, really, it's not going well. Like, we don't really talk that much, and when we do, we, we fight. We're not intimate. It's just kind of a bad relationship right now. It's really hard. Will you pray for my marriage? Pastor says, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll pray. No, but, but, but also, I need you to pray for my son. Oh, okay. He says, see, see my, my son, uh, he, he's, he's kind of made some wrong decisions lately. He, I feel like he's kind of going down the wrong road. He's hanging out with the wrong kinds of people. And, and really, it's, it's not looking good for him. So, so will, you, will, you pray, will you pray for my son? Yeah, I'll pray. Uh, and and one, one more thing. I'm kind of, I'm feeling some financial pressure in my life, and, and really, I don't like my job. It's a dead-end job. I've been there forever. I feel like, I feel like actually, uh, it's not just my job. It's my whole life. And like my life, it just kind of feels like it's going nowhere. Would you, would you pray for me? And so the pastor, he's thinking about this list of stuff that the guy's asking for prayer. And the pastor says, hey, look, before we pray, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Oh, yeah, sure, pastor. Go ahead. Now, I know you go to church, but are you involved in like a life group or like a small group or something like that? Well, no. You, you see, you see, oh, okay, I, I understand. How about, how about a team? Do you, do you, do you serve on a team? I mean, when you're, when you go to church, I mean, are you pouring yourself out? Are you giving yourself a well, no. I mean, you see, okay, okay, I, I get it. Okay, is there anyone at church that you're just kind of connected with? I mean, someone you talk to, someone that will pray for you, someone that you kind of pray for? His head kind of goes down and he just nods. Well, I mean, I, I know people, but... But look, Pastor, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, I mean... We, we love going to church. I mean, we really love it. Okay? Tell me, when was the last time you went to church? 
oh, well, uh, let's see, like, uh, uh, well, last weekend we were at her mom's, and then before that we were out, and then and that, that was just a bad weekend, we didn't go, and then there was that season, and well, I don't know, probably Easter, but we really love going to church. We love it. Okay. And then the pastor said something that probably took him off guard, and maybe it's something that some of you need to hear today. He said, listen, with everything that's going on in your life, maybe you should stop going to church. Maybe you should just stop going to church. You see, because the Lord's highest calling for you was never to just simply go to church. You see, God's highest calling for you is not to simply go to a building, to get up in the morning and go to a destination on the weekend, sit and listen, drink some coffee, go home, watch some TV, and then repeat. Like it's a cycle. God's highest calling for you is to follow Christ. God's highest calling for your life is to, is to bear the image of Christ. God's calling for your life, listen, is not to just go to church, but rather to be the church. Like there is something about stopping going to church and actually taking ownership of what God is calling you into. Maybe you should stop going to church and, and consider building up the body, serving others, Maybe be used as a vessel for God and through God. And maybe, maybe God is calling you to advance the gospel of Jesus. Maybe God wants to use you as a light shining into a dark world. God's highest calling for you was never to go to church, but rather be planted in the house of the Lord, working together with Jesus. Listen, I didn't say for Jesus. You don't, you don't work for Jesus. You with me on that? Someone say amen. I mean, you're not, you're not carrying the rock that's too heavy for him to lift, right? You, you, know, you don't work for it. You work with Jesus. You labor with Christ. You're working together with Jesus and with his people, his church, to display and proclaim Jesus unto the world. And so I believe that to many, many of you today, you need to decide that this year, 2019, you're really going to stop going to church. You're going to stop playing the game, and you're going to be planted in Christ, planted in the house of God. And instead of waking up on Sunday morning asking the question, should I go to church? You think we should go to church? You need to make the life-altering decision to be the church and be planted in the house of God, because only when someone is planted will they thrive and flourish. I want to show you a passage from Psalm 92. If you've got Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, that's okay. If you need a Bible, you can take one that's out in the lobby. That's our gift to you. If you don't uh, follow along, we have it back here on the screen. Psalm 92, verse 12, it says this. It says, the righteous flourish. Everyone say flourish. They will flourish like a palm tree. And grow, say grow. Everyone will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted, say planted. 
They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish. They flourish. They flourish in the courts of God. Now, it says that the righteous are going to flourish. Some translations say thrive. Others say grow. Some translations say prosper. And I know flourishing isn't a term that we use a whole lot around here, but really it is a great image because it is, is an image of planting and growing and, 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 and bearing fruit. So flourish is a great word. Listen, flourishing is what happens when a seed is planted. In order for you to thrive as an individual, in order for you to, to grow and flourish as a family, in order for you to prosper spiritually, you're going to need to stop going to church and be planted in Christ. Amen. You're going to need to stop going to church. And when you're planted in Christ and planted in the house of God, the psalmist says you're going to flourish. You're going to flourish just like a palm tree and a cedar tree. Now that's interesting. He says, I'm going to compare your life to the palm tree. I'm going to compare your life to what happens in your life when you're planted in Christ and you're planted in the church. I'm going to compare it to a palm tree and a cedar tree. Now, if you ask my family what their favorite tree is, undoubtedly they would say the palm tree. Anyone? We'd all say the palm tree. Why? Because palm trees are around the beaches, and we love beaches, right? I mean, palm trees by the beach. Palm trees means sand. Palm trees means sun. Palm trees means vacation, baby, right? We love the palm tree. And, and, so, and so in the Bible, hear me, the palm tree and the palm branch wasn't always a symbol of vacation. It was a symbol of triumph. The palm tree was a representation of victory. In the Corinthian Olympian Games, when someone would win the game, they would be presented with a palm branch. That's like the gold medal. There's nothing higher than the palm branch. They would give that. Remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem during the Passover in his last days? Right? They called that the triumphal entry. Remember that? And what did they do? Hosanna, here comes the king. They lay down palm branches, wave the palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. But palms were a symbol of victory, a symbol of triumph. And so what this is saying to us this morning is that those who are planted in Christ are righteous. Those who are planted in the house of God will thrive victoriously like the palm tree. Now, it doesn't just say the palm tree. It says the cedar tree. Now, the cedar tree, that was known for its durability. It was pleasant to look at, and it's pleasant to smell, right? Cedar is beautiful. It's colorful. It's got nice grain. It's pretty to look at, and it smells great. It looks great. It makes the whole atmosphere great. For example, when Solomon built his temple, he made the columns and the beams and the roofs out of, guess what? Cedar. And the reason why was not only because it was beautiful, it's because it's durable. Cedar is durable. He built his temple, and he designed it to last for centuries. That's why he picked cedar. So when you stop going to church, and you really are planted in the house of God, you will begin to flourish like a cedar being durable. You'll last, you'll be strong, and you will be radiant. Listen, both trees are evergreens year-round. 
no matter the season. They're evergreens year-round, which means there's life, there's strength, and there's victory despite the weather around them. Look in verse 14. The righteous, those who are planted, they will flourish. Verse 14, they still bear fruit in old age. Some of you would say, oh, I like that part. Some of you are like, I'm not there yet. You still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright, that the Lord is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Those who are planted will bear fruit even in their old age. They will stay fresh. They will stay green. Their life, there's life in their veins, and they will proclaim, the Lord is my rock. Amen. Now, unfortunately... Many people who just go to church, instead of saying, I'm spiritually flourishing, if they were honest, they would say, you know what, I'm probably spiritually dry right now. Instead of saying, I'm thriving emotionally, you you would say, I'm emotionally withering. Instead of saying, I'm connected relationally, I'm actually relationally empty. Instead of prospering in order to be a blessing, you would say, you know what? I'm actually hurting right now. Instead of living your life and and making a difference full of joy and spiritual life, you would probably say, you know what? I'm still searching for joy. I haven't found it. I'm still searching for life. I'm still looking for that thing that's going to actually satisfy my soul. But listen, uh, Pastor, I go to church. But I'm not flourishing. I'm not thriving. I'm not growing. Those who are planted will flourish. Being planted and flourishing is a reference to a seed. The psalmist, he's comparing your life to a seed. Your life is a seed. And every seed has a potential to grow. And the psalmist is saying you have potential to grow. You have the potential to thrive. You have the potential to bear fruit and multiply and be a blessing to others. Let me ask you a question. If a seed doesn't grow... If a seed doesn't thrive, do you blame the seed or do you blame the soil? Do you blame the environment? How many of you ever tried to plant a garden? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You put it in the ground, you put a little water on it, you forget it for a day, maybe two. You plant it in the shade when it should have been in the sun. You plant it in the rocks when it should have been thick soil. Maybe it started to bud up for a little while, but then it died out. You're like, man, I must have got some bad seeds. No, it's the environment. Now, follow me, because maybe, maybe you're not flourishing because you've sown the seed of your life in the wrong environments. Maybe your life is a little too rocky. Maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too dry and you're not placing yourself in areas where you can be watered. Maybe 
your soil is actually surrounded by choking weeds and thorns. Maybe there's bad things going on around you. Maybe, maybe you're trying to plant your seed in what I call a high-traffic area. Meaning with all your coming and going and going and coming and here and there and here and there, there's no time for your seed to actually start growing roots. Listen, a seed that has no roots, a seed that is not planted, will continue to lie dormant. It will be unproductive, it will be unfruitful, and it will be dissatisfied. A seed that is not planted in Christ, a seed that is not planted in the house of God, will not flourish. Your life is a seed. And every seed, follow me, has potential to grow. It's not too late for your seed. It's not too late for your life. Listen, you have tremendous potential. Some of you have never heard that before. Some of you say, hey, you know what, Pastor Eric, no one's ever told me I actually have potential. Some of you, you've never been told that. You've always felt like your life is just a lost cause. Maybe you heard that, that you're not good enough from your parents or your teachers or your co or people around you. Maybe you just feel like your life is a dead end. Maybe you're in a place in your life where you can't necessarily see beyond the present and you don't see any potential growth. Maybe you just feel like your life has no potential and it's just a dead end. Listen to me. When sin entered the world, there was a brokenness. There was a fracture between you and your relationship with God. When sin entered the world, there was, a, there was a brokenness. There was a fracture between you and your relationship with others. There was a brokenness between you and the, all of creation. There was a brokenness between you and you. When sin entered the world, everything broke. Everything fell apart. And so listen, when God saw that sin entered the world, he didn't say, oh, that's a lost cause. He saw redemption. When sin entered the world, he didn't say, oh, that has no potential. He says, actually, that has potential to be redeemed. You see, Jesus, when he sees that, he says, I'm going to make a kingdom of my people. I'm going to make a holy nation. When God saw the people who needed to be carried back to home, when God saw the people, he said, they need a new heart. They need a new identity. Those are people that need to be washed. Those are people that need to be cleansed. Those are people who need to be put back together. Those are people who need a new spirit. Those are the people who need a new life. Those people, they need a new purpose. God saw the people who would once again love God, trust God, and follow God. God saw people who lived with potential of his holy nation. And he loved them so much that he was willing to die for them. Listen, we don't earn grace. We don't earn or merit forgiveness, and we don't earn or merit some sort of reward that God would somehow put us back together. But Jesus came and died in our place so that we could be brought back to God. And as he died in our place, listen, we had nothing to offer God, yet he died for you, and he rose for you, and he places his spirit in you. And so you may wake up in the morning and you may look at the mirror in your life and just see a plain old jar of clay. But inside each one of you is a treasure that is more valuable than gold that costs the sun his blood. 
And he says, I'm going to put my spirit in them and they're going to flourish and they're going to thrive if they would just simply be planted in me, believe in me, trust in me, and then I'm going to put other people around them who are also filled with the same spirit and they're going to fan that flame into a fire and it's going to be a treasure. It's going to be a light for the world to see. Listen, Jesus didn't die and put his spirit in you so that you could just go to church. That's good, y'all. <laughs> Jesus saw you in your darkest moment, and he sees potential. He sees the potential of new life, not because you're awesome, but because he is. And he wants to transform you. And he says, listen, when he saw you in your darkest hour, he says, I'm going to use that one for my glory. I'm going to use that vessel to be a display for me. I'm going to use that one as an image bearer for my name. I want that one. People in the Old Testament, oh, they went to church. More than you. They went to church. But Jesus says, I need to come. I need to do a new thing. I need to do a new thing. I need to put a spirit in them. I need to give them a new heart and a new life and a new purpose. And it starts with my sacrifice and my resurrection. And it starts with them being filled with the spirit of God in order to not just go to church, but to be the church. Your life is a seed. And every seed has amazing potential. But listen, a seed can only grow if it's planted. Planted in Christ, planted in the body, which is the richest soil of all. Being planted in Christ comes when you commit your life to Jesus. And being planted in the house of God comes when you commit to stop going to church. And going to church isn't the same thing as being planted. Because when you're planted, church isn't a destination. It's, it's an identity. It's it's who you are. It's what you take on for yourself. Listen, my kids never ask, are we going to go to church? Not one time. It's like, it's like asking, hey, Dad, are we going to eat today? Amen. I mean, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even come up. Listen, we, we are the church. We are worshipers. We put ourselves in a position where we can pour ourselves out to others and others can pour into us. We are the church. We are united and, united and, and built together as the body. Church isn't a place we go. It's not a building. It's a calling. It's a connected calling. It's a movement. It's a mission. We're the church. We've been saved to be the church. Those who are planted in the house of God, they will flourish but when church becomes a destination, people will go to church. They don't ever really connect, never take ownership of the mission for themselves. Oh, we still go to church. Maybe on Easter, maybe Christmas, maybe Mother's Day if she really wants to go. My marriage is suffering. It's going down the wrong path. 
Everything in my home, my job, my life is overwhelming, spiritually not flourishing. But go to church. Stop going to church. Develop some relationships. Have someone who prays for you. Have someone you're praying for. Use your gifts. Use your life worthy of the gospel that he saved you for. When your roots grow deep, then what happens when life kind of throat punches you? You ever been there? You ever get throat punched by life? You're like, listen, when your roots are deep, And life kind of punches you in the face. Your tree will stand. I want to show you this in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, 7. Listen to how this starts. Listen, this is an amazing verse. He said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. I don't want to move too fast right there. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. We're not asking God to do something for us. We want God to be there for us, in us, through us, by us, all around us. And so our trust doesn't just simply say, oh God, if you could just give me a raise. Oh Lord, if you could just make this thing work out. Oh God. No, my trust is the Lord. You with me on that? That is my trust. That's what I'm trusting. That's what, that's what my roots are in. That's what I'm growing in. Trusting in the Lord is the Lord. Look at verse 8. That guy, he's like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Listen to this. And that guy, that tree that's planted by the water, that has deep roots by the stream, it does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green. And he's not anxious in the year of drought. How long is drought? A year. It don't bother him. In the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. How many of you right now have some heat in your life? Some spiritual heat, some emotional, physical heat. How many of you would say, I'm in a drought right now? My life is dry. Listen, when you're planted in Christ and you're planted in the house of the Lord, your roots will be deep. And when that heat comes, when that drought sets in, you won't be anxious 
Because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He doesn't change. And He doesn't wither. And you won't be bothered by the drought. Because when you're planted in Christ and you're planted in the house of God, you're rooted to a source that's greater than the problem that's on the surface. There's roots that go deep to water. Roots that go deep to flourish. Did you know that the redwood tree is the tallest living thing on the entire planet? You've heard of the redwood? There's forests full of redwoods. Listen, 30 stories tall. Some 30 feet wide. That's a tree. 30 stories tall, 30 feet wide. It's amazing. Do you know what makes them so strong? I bet you can guess. (laughs) The roots. It's the roots. Not only, follow me, do their roots go deep and wide, their roots actually intertwine with other trees. They grow so deep and so wide and they're so woven together with the other trees that their support system, when the wind blows and the storm comes and the heats rise, listen, it's under the surface. Their roots are so intertwined that it sustains them with strength and growth no matter what's happening above the ground. This is what you need in the body of Christ. This is what we need from each other. Because here's what I can promise you in 2019. Throat punches. (laughs) You know what I mean by that? Here's what I mean. You're going to face some opposition. You're going to run into things that you don't know how to fix. You're going to run into trials. You're going to struggle. You're going to experience setbacks. You're going to interact with some crazy people. If you don't know any, I got a bunch You will face opposition. And if you face it alone, you are more vulnerable to the heat, to the drought, and despair. And I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy of your soul, the devil is not threatened one bit that you go to church. You don't care. Your enemy knows that you can be in a crowded room hear about Jesus, sing about Jesus, and still be completely isolated. He knows that. And he knows that when you're isolated, you are more vulnerable to drought and heat and destruction. I'm going to close with this. There's a terrifying verse in 1 Timothy 1 I was reading this week where Paul he talked about two men who, who kind of rejected the faith. All right, are you with me? Get this image. There's a church. He writes a letter to Timothy and says, Timothy, this is what happened. Let me give you a scenario. These two men, they rejected the faith. Verse 20 says that he handed them over to Satan, which means that he actually put them out of the church. He says, these guys, they're causing trouble. They're they're not with the faith. I'm going to put them out of the church. Basically, 
These men were opposing God, and rather than pretending that everything was okay, everything was fine, Paul removed them from the safety and the blessing of the other believers. And why did he do that? He did that hoping that the misery of being separated from the church would lead them to repentance, lead them to come back to Christ. I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you catching the weight of that? Paul equated the removal from the church with being handed over to Satan. We live in a day where people are voluntarily doing that to themselves. We live in a day where people are refusing to be planted. We live in a day where people are scheduling their weeks in such a way that only allows them enough time and enough energy to go to church. That's all I want to do, just go to church. And in doing so, they have voluntarily handed themselves over to the enemy. As the people of God, we need to stop going to church and be planted in the family of God. Listen, I say that not because I want something from you, but rather because I want something for you. I want you to grow. I want you to flourish. I want you to come sit at my table at the coffee shop and say, wow, God is doing a work in my family. God is doing a work in my marriage. God is doing a work in my kids. God is doing a work at my job. I don't like it, but there's people there that I get to minister to. I, I, I'm actually serving. I'm, I'm growing more than ever. If you are a follower of Christ, let me encourage you. It's time. It's time for you to be planted in Christ. It's time for you to be planted in the house of God because God has so much for you and he wants you to flourish. Listen, I know pastors won't tell you this, even if it's not at life point. Be planted. Even if it's not here. I mean, I get it. Some of you, some of you just really want hymnals. And Sunday school. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that's fine. Some of you, you, you say you want I, want, I want longer worship, or I want something a little less passionful, or, or I want something, I want a preacher where, who's, who's not so loud, <laughs> who wears a lo- robe and is way less boring. Like, I, 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 I get it. Listen, even if it's not here, stop going to church. Be planted in the house. I want to challenge you. If you can't plug in here, get plugged in somewhere, be rooted in a church body. Maybe today you need to make that commitment to stop going to church. Let us be a people of God whose roots are deep, who are praying for one another, encouraging one another, who's praying for someone else, who who stands next to one another and saying, You're not alone. Today, let us stop waiting on a move of God and let us realize that you're right in the middle of one. Let's pray.
thorn? You see right through. You see right through what's on the outside. Lord, today I want to just sit before you and take a moment and ask you to search our hearts. Search my heart, oh God. Am I planted in you? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me if I'm, if I'm planted in you? Lord, I want to be planted in your, in your body. Lord, I want to grow spiritually. Lord, I want to grow. I want to prosper. I want to, I want to make a difference. Lord, today, would you just speak? Would you move? Would you do something special in our lives, in my life? Would you do a work that changes me from the inside out? Jesus, today, we don't, we don't want to be a people that is vulnerable. I don't want to hand myself over. But God, you've given me an opportunity, life and breath, people, family, You've given me something. You've given me forgiveness. You've given me grace. You've given me salvation so that I would not just go and sit, but God, so that I would be used by you and with you for the glory of your name. Let us be a life. Let me be a life that points to you. Oh, Jesus, that's my prayer this year. Unite us together, one body, one mission, one voice, one God, one spirit, one Lord. Here we are. It's all for you. It's all for you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.